This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 278. My name's Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. This week on the show, we talked to Mr. Benny from Orange County, California. He's a bartender there and also founded and is president of the United States Bartenders Guild chapter in Orange County. He spent some time working in Las Vegas as well, so we'll hear about that too. Our sponsor this week is Cake POS from Cisco. Cake is the point of sale system that lets bar and restaurant owners and managers focus on the guest experience. Stop worrying about tracking every sale. Cake does that for you. You can automatically save information and review it later from anywhere. That means maybe as a manager or owner, you can maybe take a day off which is pretty rare in this business. No matter where you are, you can check in on daily reports and know they'll be up to date. To get started with Cake, check out trycake.com slash bartender. For our Bartender Journey listeners at that link, you can get $750 off the activation fee. That's a 75% discount. Go to trycake.com slash bartender and check it out, or you can request a demo there. Mr. Benny, how are you? Very well. How are you today? Very good. Well, thanks for joining us for the first time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. Glad to have you on. Well, thank you. I'm very excited to be on. Well, great. Actually, Benny's actually your last name, right? But most people call you Benny, yeah? Yes, Benny is my last name. My first name's Amin, but uh, everybody calls me Benny. On your name tag, it's a lot easier when guests can pronounce your name. They feel a lot more comfortable. So I've just always gone by Benny. Well, you uh, you founded and are now president, yeah, of the Orange County, California uh, chapter of the USPG, right? I am. Yeah. So I uh, bartended in Vegas for about 13 years. I came home, uh, which was, you know, I was born and raised in Orange County and they didn't have a chapter. And, uh, you know, I reached out to USBG. They said, go to L.A. or go to San Diego. And that's like a two hour drive with traffic, if not more. So I you know, kept pushing to get this chapter started. You know, Orange County is significant enough. I mean, we have Disneyland. That's the best thing in the world. <laughs> uh, and so we uh, kept pushing to get that chapter, and they approved it, said, go get your signatures. And then we've been working to make the chapter bigger and better ever since. So how long ago was that that it was established? Well, I mean, the whole process, it was about five years, four to five years. Wow. So it's been a lot of work and a lot of people working together to to get the chapter happening. Because once you get out there in the industry and everybody starts to know you and sees the meetings happening and between the social media you need to build and the brand relationships and the relationships with the entire community, it takes a long time to get that to the point where you're having large and successful meetings. Right. So uh, now it's a pretty active chapter? Yeah, pretty active. We just had our meeting on Monday. We had 66 people come do a Diageo tasting with whiskey. Yeah, it was at a really super nice hotel. that We had a banquet room and food. It's, it was very, very successful meeting. So we're, we're really, really growing and getting big. And I, I hope once our chapter becomes large enough, we can kind of connect with the L.A. chapter and the San Diego chapter and just build this huge, amazing community in Southern California. That sounds great. That sounds great. Well, I'm always in, encouraging people to join the USBG, United States Bartenders Guild. But uh, what, would you, what would you say, in your opinion, are the benefits of, of joining up? Uh, I would say that if you're a bartender and you want to provide yourself with the education that you need to grow and become bigger and, and have this be a profession, not just a job, the USBG is the way to go with just the, the relationships that you're going to build and the networking. 
getting to know um, some of these brands that are out there that are going to need like showcase bartenders and getting to do some work with them and stepping off of your bar in your comfort zone to really challenge yourself and do showcase bartending. It's, uh, it's, it's an amazing organization. And to know that you have brothers and sisters that are spread out across the U S yeah. it's, it's something you really should always try to be a part of. If, if you take being a bartender, you know, seriously. Yeah, that's right. And I think when people think about networking, they think, oh, you know, maybe I'll meet somebody and find find another job at another bar or something. But that that's that's true. But also, you know, meeting the brand people is really important, and and you just make great connections there. And those brand people are 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 there to support you. You know, right? Yes, and you know, it's it's also. You know the relationships you're going to build with these other bartenders is of course your your if you ever have a question if there's something that you ever need our industry is one that's amazing and the fact that we like to give to each other our hospitality doesn't end with the guest it it's always in us it's got to be part of you all the time and so we're always rising each other up taking care of each other really uh, going above and beyond with you know, sharing recipes or, or techniques or how to make yourself better and having access to the bartenders as a whole, like a group is, is really important. Yeah, it's great. I tell you, when, when I first joined, um, our Facebook group was a private Facebook book, book uh, group just for us. Uh, it was very active. And uh, just very recently after I joined, I needed to do mint juleps for Derby Day for like 150 people. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so yeah, I'd never done it before, you know? So I, I put the question up on our private Facebook group and got tons of responses. And, and it was just, I was so grateful for that, you know? Oh, totally. It's, it's, it's an amazing organization. So it's worth your, your yearly annual fee. I think it's like $125, but mm-hmm. you have all these events, you have all these bartenders, these meetings, this education. I feel like this, if it's, pays me back better than my Costco card, then I'm good. Like that's well money well spent. Not that it's a commercial for Costco, but you know, you never at the end of the year with the money you save and and the benefits of everything and and uh being part of that, it's well worth it. So being part of the USBG is just really important thing that you should do and you know, you pay a fee once a year, but you have all this access. Oh, amazing opportunities, you know, for trips and things that are worth a lot more than $125. 100%. I'm sure you took the Patron trip, yeah? Uh, yeah, I got to go to the Hacienda, uh, and it was it was amazing. You know, they uh, brought bartenders from all over the U.S. They brought a lot of the leadership from all the other chapters. So it was like presidents mm-hmm. and vice presidents all coming together. And then we are very lucky because we uh, ran into – being one night with the whole national board, wow. which is everybody who runs USPG national. And so we got to hang out with them and everything. And it, it was fun. You know, we were probably the second or third group to ever go down there. So it was, uh, it was an amazing trip. Yeah, that was great. Maybe well, I was talking about how to make mint juleps The Derby day is coming up. So maybe we'll talk about just how to do that. For sure. <laughs> how, man. Would, mint how would you do it, Benny? It gets hot <laughs> and the mint juleps are very refreshing. How would you batch them up for a large group? I, I consider uh, mint julep to be kind of like, I mean, it's basically like an old-fashioned. So instead of using your bitters, you're just using that mint. And and the key is 
Uh, it's a little tougher to batch because you, you know, are you going to put the mint in and, and as you pour in the spirit and then add all the crushed ice, but I, I would probably do it that way. I do the batch. Uh, you don't want it to sit too long. Uh, and then basically put the mint in, muddle everything in each individual glass, pour in the uh, measured amounts and then add in all the crushed ice. That's if you're doing like, you know, 30, 40 going out at a time. Yeah. In, in my case, uh, the party was, uh, it was remote, so I wasn't even going to be there. I had to batch them up beforehand, you know? So I did a mint simple syrup and then, um, batched it up just the mint simple syrup and the, and the whiskey and then had them, uh, put, uh, line up the cups, put the crushed ice in and just a sprig of mint. So that worked out. That worked out well. Yeah. Oh no, no, totally. Uh, I agree. And it's, it's, it's never bad. It's never best to batch. If you if you don't have to, but if you are doing basic batching and stuff, just make sure you add your dilution, which is like twenty twenty five percent. Right. But uh, from there and and definitely, you know, it's it's just hard when you when you have a large batch to go. I'm gonna muddle this mint inside that batch yeah. and then strain that out. And uh, yeah. it is it is a complicated. <laughs> I would definitely say, if you can get your hands on a really good mint syrup. Yeah, makes life easier. Yeah, I just made it. I, m- I made a simple syrup and uh, turned the heat off on, in the pot and threw the mint in there and let it sit um, about an hour, I think. And uh, that worked That worked out. Add a little salt. I always, I'm a big proponent of salt in cocktails. Just a little bit makes it more interesting, I always find. Yeah, no, it adds a, adds a layer of flavor to it, which is really cool. Makes it a little yeah. more complex. Mm-hmm. So tell us about uh, working uh, bartending in Las Vegas. That must have been interesting. Yeah, bartending in Las Vegas was a blast. Uh, mm-hmm. It was one of the funnest you know, things that I've done in my career. And I've, been, I've had a very lucky career. I've gotten to work at a lot of nice hotels. But Vegas was, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, one minute <laughs> you're, you're there and a whole parade of mermaids on electric <laughs> wheelchairs come rolling through and you're just like wow that's super cool and you just keep going because you never really get to stop you know you right. become used to seeing almost anything that you could possibly see so i mean it's it, it was a blast I, I loved it you know i had a had a child they didn't have the greatest school districts so i mm. ended up coming back home and, you know when you uh, end up having a kid you kind of really want your kid to experience life like you experienced it so mm brought her back home to Orange County so she could grow up kind of where my wife and I grew up as well. How's that how's that been bartending uh and having young kids or you have one kid, yeah? Yeah, I do have one kid. It's fun. It's I mean, it's it's hard cuz you know, you work nights. So as soon as, as soon as they get home from school, you give them a kiss and then you're off. So it's it that gets tough, you know, I but yeah. it's uh I live in a very safe area, so it's very, very mm-hmm. boring. So I know that they are always going to be good while I'm gone, and that's, you know, Vegas gets a little shady, which is fun. <laughs> that's why it's a good time. But, uh, it, you know, you, you still have to wor- be concerned about them. I never have to worry where we are. Cool. So in Vegas, you must have been doing huge, huge volume, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you hit five, seven thousand dollar rings. Um, you know, and and you'd be three, four deep. Yeah, you know, it really matters on the season and what's going on. You have a new nightclub open in your hotel. You are just killing it for a few years. Mm. Uh, so it, it's a fun, fun experience. I was very lucky. I got to do education 
up there with uh, Francesco Lafraconi. I got to take his course, and he kind of started the USBG over there with Tony Abuganin. Yeah. And and you had to actually, to be a bartender on the strip, you have to go to school for like, I think it's now it's six months. At my time, it was a year. Wow. So And it's all union, yeah? It's all union. So once you take that class and you graduate, you're certified by the state of Nevada. Then you can take that anywhere. It's kind of like an apprenticeship program. Wow. So was it in a school setting or in an actual bar or both? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a school setting. So you sit in a the classroom. They basically go over what rums are, give you as much information as they can about rums or whatever the topic may be for that week. And at my time, I'd go for three hours once a week. Now I think they go three hours twice a week and they graduate in six months. But then you take the whole education, you do all that, you test out at the very end, and then you can only test out every three months. So if you don't pass, you have to be a bar back for another three months and you have to actively be a bar back while you're taking the course because they consider that your hour and physical training instead of just learning everything. Yeah. So how um, do I, I just never worked in such a high volume place? So I'd love to know more about how how that how that all works. How many barbacks you have? What what kind of prep goes on before the shift and all that? Yeah, well, I, when I was bartending in Vegas, I think I was bartending like seven years ago. So we were <laughs> we actually had a high volume bar. We did fresh juice for like I think five or six drinks. But we'd actually have to, the crazy part is, we'd have to cut the lime or the lemon open, use the squeezer right <laughs> when we're making the drink, oh, and, and, and shake it and do all, you know, do the regular everything you need to make the drink. Yeah. But, you know, cutting, like we'd have a bunch of fruit behind us, and you're cutting while you're super busy. Yeah. Knives and being busy is not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it went great, but it, it was kind of right when craft cocktails were even. Growing is starting to become something in Vegas. Sure. You, did you ever take that uh, flare class in Vegas? I did take the. I did yeah. take the flare class. So, uh, when uh, I, I'm so tempted. I want to do that. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was beginning flare, so you just learn how to roll. It's kind of like when you watch a Karate Kid and Daniel's learning wax on, <laughs> wax off. Uh, and and it was cool because you learn these rolls. And you're like, God, these rolls are so boring, but I have to get them down, and it takes a couple weeks. And I'm like, you're like, I want to flip bottles. I want bottles to be in the air. And the guy goes, okay, do your roll. Now just let the roll go and catch it with the other hand. Okay. And you do it, and you're like, wow, it actually worked out perfect. And it was just like, it was exactly like when uh, Mr. Miyagi is like, do wax on, and he punches them, and he blocks, and you're just like, wow. So it it it, it was fun. I only did beginning. Yeah. But uh, I got to work with some very, very talented flare bartenders that like could – line up bottles on their head, like build towers out of <laughs> bottles with a tray full of drinks and flip bottles while they're balancing that tray on their head. Oh my God. Crazy stuff. I get nervous when I have to go out to the floor with a tray of drinks. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> my head. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's some really, really talented and amazing people in Vegas. I do miss it. Yeah, I bet. And uh, so now you work with uh, Whistle Pig as well, yeah? I'm very blessed. Uh, you know, I'm getting a little bit older, and uh, you know, I kind of held out working for a brand because you don't want to just work for any brand, yeah. you know, because you have to drink the liquor that you're representing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was very lucky. I held out. I had an amazing brand, Whistlepig Rye Whiskey, come and uh, 
you know, take me under their wing and teach me the world of being a brand ambassador and the world of whiskey. And uh, it's it's been amazing. Yeah, I bet. So, what is it uh, for anybody who doesn't know? What, what what's your role? Is the um, you guys call it? What do you call it? Uh, you don't call it brand ambassador. You have a different. Yeah, term, we're right? we're stewards of the brand. We're watching over right. the brand and making sure the brand's represented right and taken care of. Mm-hmm. So you know, whistle pig rye whiskey. If anybody doesn't know what it is, because it's it's tearing it up right now, mm-hmm. is a uh, it's all rye whiskey, but a very high end rye whiskey. So we're trying to take rye to the level like scotches. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is kind of age statements, our, our uh, ages and finishes is a lot of what we do. We're kind of getting into working with blends, and we have a new product that's coming out. It's And, and people are going crazy over it, which is piggyback, which is uh, six-year rye. I haven't, had a chance, I haven't had a chance to try that, actually. Uh, I, I need to get a bottle sent to you. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, we just brought Whistle Pig into uh, the club where I work, so we're real happy to have and real happy to have it in in there. Uh, you know, I started working in this club uh, about four years ago, the private club about four years ago, and uh, the the back bar was pretty sparse. I mean, we had a good selection of single malt, but other than that, you know, we. <laughs> I said to the guy, the manager who at the time who's moved on since, but uh, I said, we don't have any rye? And he points to the Canadian club. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> we, got some work. we got some work to do here. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. Totally. But now now we have a lot of great stuff, including uh, Whistle Pig, which I'm really proud to have on the back bar because it's a great product. I was lucky enough to uh, travel to the farm there a couple years ago, and uh, it was through uh probably through the usbg that i was able to do that uh the uh the the spirit the um the brand guy here in new york at the time he ran a little contest for us and uh so i won the contest and we spent three days up there at the farm and uh it was just it was great it's such an impressive place oh no it is amazing uh shoreham vermont beautiful place uh, i usually go and there's still snow when we do our our uh team retreats so, you know, I hear it's amazingly beautiful during the summer. I need to get up there and check that out as well. But they have maple trees there where they're making maple syrup yeah. that that uh, they're aging in the barrels. It's 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 an amazing and a wonderful experience. And if anybody gets the opportunity to ever come and check out the distillery, you, you it's something you definitely want to check out. Absolutely. And, and, uh, Dave Prickle was there the whole time. So that was really special, you know, who's unfortunately, um, passed away since, but, uh, that, that made it really extra special. He brought us into this, into the distillery and, um, just explained from, you know, beginning to end how the, how this stuff is made. So it was a really, really great trip. No, yeah, especially getting to meet Dave. He's a very, very special guy. And that was, uh, horrible loss for the industry as a whole because he was very into educating everybody around him and just the life that exerted out of him was contagious he just always wanted to be around him and he will very much be missed yep sure will and he he really appreciated the uh bartender's role in um re sort of re-establishing rye whiskey as as a major um category i think yeah no i and i mean what was rye you know, before Whistlepig and a bunch of other brands came around, it was everybody referred to it as the Canadian blend. Yeah, being being rye, a lot of not not a lot of people knew rye. Now rye is everywhere. I mean, sooner or later, 
rye is going to start to be used a lot more for old fashions and Manhattans and the way that it was supposed to be because that was what was used to make cocktails. Yeah, I'm seeing that a lot. Um, people, especially with Manhattans, people re- request rye in in their Manhattan, which I think is delicious. I, I like I like a bourbon old fashioned and a um, and a rye Manhattan because I, I love the way it, the spiciness of that rye just cuts through the um, vermouth, and it, I think it's fabulous. Yeah, and it balances out the sweetness from the vermouth. So uh, you know exactly. you have the the bitter, the dry from the rye, the sweet from the vermouth, or the sweet from the sugar in your old fashioned, and it just it's beautiful it goes together well it sure does so so where are you bartending now i don't even know so i i bartend at monarch beach resort in dana point which is a beautiful resort uh they just basically looks over our pool the golf course and then the ocean and we have these beautiful hills filled with million dollar homes that are on top of them just it's a beautiful view so every night we celebrate the sunset at the uh Lounge that I work is 33 North, which is our lobby bar. But Mm. uh, every day we celebrate the sunset with a poem and some champagne for everybody and, you know, start our night that way. And then everybody comes, has cocktails and food and always have like live entertainment. So it's it's fun. I'm, I'm very, very lucky to get to be at a beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah, that sounds incredible. And uh Sounds uh, a little similar to my situation, you know, where we have, uh, you know, very exclusive clientele, and uh, I like that. I, you know, I, f- I feel like I found my place in the in the in the private club industry, you know, because um, it's uh, you really get to take extra special care of people, I think, and it's it, and you know, you, and you get good budgets to make to make uh, to buy good stuff and make good stuff. So, and the people are curious to to learn more. So it's been it's been great. And it sounds like you have a, kind of a similar situation there. Yeah, I do. And and we have uh, half of our, well, we have hotel guests and everything, but we also have people that are members of the hotel. Oh, you do? Okay. And they get to enjoy all the amenities that the hotel has to offer. So, right. you know, I kind of get some of that as well. And it's, uh, it, you know, I've always kind of gotten to work with high end and I, I love that. I would love to uh, get the opportunity to work at a smaller craft place. But, you know, it's just the amazing hotels and and how huge they are and how beautiful they are and, and where they're located. It's so hard to just go, I'm going to I'm going to step away from this I know. and, and you know, try something that, you know, that's a little smaller. And you know, it, it is. I mean, the bottles that we have behind our bar are just amazing, amazing bottles. Mm-hmm. So we're we're just very lucky. Yeah. It's, it's funny when I go to uh, the, the little craft cocktail bars in Manhattan and uh, I think about, you know, my view at one bar overlooks the entire golf course. Like you can almost see you can almost see every hole from behind my bar. And then the other the other the main bar looks over this gorgeous lake, you know, and I and I always think, you know, these guys staring at a brick wall all night until four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah yeah different life different but i mean they get to control the the feel and the flow of their whole room there you have a beautiful it's kind of like a tiki bar they say you know you can have a beautiful view of the ocean but it's not really a tiki bar because the sun goes down and the room changes and you can't control Mm -hmm. that change where uh if you're enclosed and you know you do an old school real tiki bar it's always sunset 20, you know, as long as that bar is open, it's always the perfect point of the sunset. And so, it, you know, there's, there's perks to it. I, uh, 
I love how diverse bartending is and and where we really are. I'm a true believer that bartenders should be considered like chefs. And so chefs may be the tribe of fire and bartenders are the tribe of ice. We may may be two totally different tribes, but when we come together, we're the people of flavor. And that's what really makes an amazing experience. And I just want to see bartenders kind of achieve on the same level that chefs have achieved on. Yeah, that's right. And it's starting to happen. It's starting to happen for sure. I completely agree. It is. It's, uh, It's an amazing time to be a bartender. It's just the fact that this amazing time came around, and now I'm so damn old. It's, it <laughs> makes me sad. Well, that's another reason to be in these more corporate environments. And it's, I don't know, <laughs> I find it just, you know, there's benefits and there's, you know, there's uh, paid days off and health benefits and retirement and stuff. So that's another reason at, at this age to uh, to uh, seek that kind of place, I think. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's There's a time, you know, sooner or later I'm going to have to actually step away. You know, I mean, I, all the people that I work with are old enough to be my kid. So yeah. sooner or later, the old guy is just not going to be able to keep up anymore. And, you know, my time's going to come. And that time when I end up leaving the bar is probably going to be really sad. You know, my bartending yep. career can actually legally drink. So it's uh, <laughs> it's been a long career. Hey, man, let me ask you, uh, creating original cocktails, I, I I don't know. I always find it challenge it's it's fun but it's uh it's challenging too because i almost always feel like well this has already been done you know this is we've only changed one ingredient off of the you know last word or whatever so uh what's your philosophy on creating new brand new original cocktails i think if you're going to create original cocktails the best way to look at it is go i like this drink and i like this drink what would it be like if they had a baby hmm and you kind of bring ingredients from those two drinks and you bring them together and you put them in a way that you're you put them in a way that you're just creating just a hybrid of those two drinks and now you've just created a brand new drink. And so it's I've done takes on like a Paloma meets a Manhattan. Hmm. Uh, I have one where an old fashioned meets a Manhattan. So hmm. I take sweet vermouth whichever sweet vermouth you like, you add one part sweet vermouth, one part sugar, stir that up, you have a sweet vermouth syrup. So okay. when I when I do that cocktail, I like to do rye to make it a little drier because yeah. you're also getting the sweetness from the sugar and the sweetness from the sweet vermouth. So it's going to be a lot sweeter than your normal simple syrup. And then I add about four dashes of Ango to that mm-hmm. and maybe cut it with like a quarter ounce of Luxardo. And so, you know, it's an old-fashioned and a Manhattan, so I call it the old-fashioned man. <laughs> but putting two nice. drinks together in that way and connecting them and coming up with something that's that's unique, is it's really simple to if you look at it that way. You're taking two okay. cocktails or three, putting the ingredients of those together and creating a hybrid pretty much. Yeah. Have you ever done um, barrel-aged cocktails? I have. I think barrel-aged cocktails are kind of like a relationship of people. If you put them in a room and you force them in that room for like six months, sooner or later, yeah. they're going to get along really well. Or they're, yeah. or, or they're going to kill each other and only one's going to live. <laughs> but uh, that's really putting them all into the barrel kind of gets everybody to get along and gets everybody to blend together really well. And it, you come up with a good cocktail, try barrel aging it and see if that cocktail comes out better. And yeah. it, uh, it usually does. 
Yeah, I was a little I was a little skeptical of it, um, but my GM really wanted to do it. Um, so we're doing a, an old fashioned in Manhattan, and uh, the the uh, the old fashioned has been really successful. I make it. I, I take uh, maple syrup and add some water. To to it and then cook it down on the stove with like allspice and uh, cloves and things. So it's uh, it's really tasty. And, and I agree, sitting in that barrel just sort of mellows it out. It, 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 but it also adds sweetness because it's, you're getting some sweetness from the oak. So I find myself often adding more bourbon to my old fashioned as time goes on. <laughs> yeah, you know, you find your ingredient. The thing is, it, it cocktails are really your taste. It's kind of like when you're doing a whiskey tasting or a wine tasting. Everything tastes different to everybody, and everybody has their own preferences of what flavors they like and what works the best. Odds are, if you like it, everybody else will like it, hopefully. But, you know, if you really like a cocktail, you kind of make it for yourself at first, and then you adjust it if you need to for everybody else. But if you like a cocktail, then that's you've created something that's great. Yeah, but then sometimes you have to create something, you know, for the masses, you know, so. <laughs> it's very true. And you want to make sure that it's uh, something you can make really fast yep. and and really simple just so that it gets out there. That's the best cocktails you can make are the simple cocktails. It's just thinking of the formula that works to put that out there and that isn't already yeah. a cocktail and you know i tell you with my menu that i did this um for the spring here you know a lot of the most of the discounting wine and beer i would say the drinks uh highball drinks are probably four out of five that we make you know so i, I needed to do a lot of highballs on the menu um and and making something original there can be you know a challenge but but what i found was um just making interesting syrups um makes it number one consistent number two fast and and interesting you know so that that worked out pretty well yeah syrups are great and let me state like i feel like a lot of people you can make syrups right behind the bar and you don't need a stove all the time uh the only time you need stove is when you need to steal basically the essence and it's the only way to get that essence but like i mean we make all our syrups behind the bar so uh, you know you put in Room temp water, sugar, equal parts. You stir it or put it in a container, shake it, and walk by while you're bartending, and then grab the container and shake it until the sugar dissolves, and you have your simple syrup. Same with flavored syrups. Like We'll make a rich syrup, and then we'll add one part of a flavored puree, and you have mm-hmm. flavored syrup you really want. So it's there's a lot you can really do with syrups, especially if you're really looking to get crafty and you juice everything, and add one part juice and one part simple syrup. Yeah, I mean your your syrups are going to be amazing. Well, th- yeah, but you wouldn't want to add fresh juice to the syrup, right? Because it uh, the the syrup will go uh, the fruit will go bad after a while before the sugar, or or is the sugar enough to preserve? Yeah, you. You can't keep it out, and you have to keep a, a date life on it. But if you're not going through a bottle of syrup in a week, you have to question, do you need that syrup? Yeah. <laughs> you know, even if you make smaller batches, like if you make a tiny little half bottle and you have that behind the bar, whether it be like ginger syrup, I don't use it all the time, but I do get calls for a cocktail with ginger syrup sometimes. I keep a little one behind the bar, but you, you it has to st- stay in the fridge. Yeah. You know, we make our we make our own orgeats. So we use like almond milk mm-hmm. and sugar, equal parts, and then we add in a little uh, orange flower water and mm-hmm. almond extract. 
but it has to stay in the fridge all the time because you don't want you never want to put your guests in a position where people are going to get sick. No, no, of course not. So it's just yeah, you have to take care of it. But on the same sense, to be able to say I can make any syrup behind the bar, that's that's what's key. And you know, if you work at a, you know you work at a big place, you know the last thing you ever want to do is walk into a kitchen and take a chef's space because. Yeah. Knives are going to come out. They're going to be pointed at you. It's not good. <laughs> uh, I, I have a pretty good relationship with the kitchen, but uh, it, I, I'd use um, water, hot water from the coffee machine, you know, the tea water often for, for syrup so I can stay out of their way in the kitchen as much as possible. Yeah, that's that's great. If you can do it behind the bar, always try to do it behind the bar. Right. But yeah, using hot water, kind of even making a tea and mm -hmm. then adding your sugar at the end after you've, you know, kind of got the essence of something is great that's how we make our cinnamon syrup mm -hmm. but you know syrups are syrups are amazing anytime you can make stuff behind the bar that you're actually going to use it's it you can't get better than that and that's really where you're taking your game to the next level and it's always trying to just take these little steps forward yeah and i find too with syrups um i'm trying to put to use things that might go to waste otherwise like let's say a bottle of wine that's two two days old you know um so one of my syrups i use a pinot noir a pinot noir or strawberry syrup so uh you know trying to just trying to think about th you know keeping things from going to waste and syrups yeah, syrups is one way to do that awesome yeah yeah that pinot sounds noir. really good yeah pinot noir strawberry syrup it's good and uh I had I needed a vodka drink for the menu, so it's just that and vodka and soda water, and it's it's good. Yeah, no, that totally sounds refreshing. It sounds good, and it sounds like you combining two different flavors. So you're making it complex without making it complicated. That's it. That's it. No, it's key. It's all about coming up with these little short moves or little cheats that make everything easy for you, but provide you know, quality for the guest. And, and that, that sounds amazing. I want to try it. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I'd love to make you one sometime, even though you're 3000 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. And it's so funny how, how just our community connects and everything. And, you know, I mean, you know, you get to do these chats, you get to shoot messages to people back and forth and they're thousands of miles away sometime. Yep. But it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. That's how our industry cool. works very cool you know if we were lawyers and you asked <laughs> for help from anybody good yeah. luck getting that forget it <laughs> you know so i mean it's it's not very many industries where everybody has a helping hand and really takes care of each other that's it that's it well benny it's such a pleasure to talk to you and uh looking forward to staying in touch well i am as well and brian let me tell you man you are doing amazing work oh, like when i was when i came from vegas and i was uh you know, trying to learn more and keep it, and myself more educated and so forth. And we didn't have a chapter. A lot of what I do is listen to your podcast. Oh, thanks, man. Bartender Journey is an amazing resource. And I hope people go back and listen to those old episodes. Yeah. You know, and really, uh, really journey into the Bartender Journey pipeline because it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And you're, you're doing education on a regular basis. And that, that makes our industry so much better. So you keep up, you keep up the good fight and keep putting out those podcasts. Thank you, man. I will do that. Thank you for the words of encouragement. Awesome. Brian, thank you. Thank you, Betty. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Stand by for our toast. We do a toast every time at the very end of the podcast. 
First, I'll remind you, my name is Brian Vincent Weber. Please feel free to get in touch for any reason at all. You can email me directly at brian at bartenderjourney.net. I'd love to hear from you. If you have an interesting story to tell, please get in touch. We're looking to line up some guests for the next few weeks. Don't forget about our sponsor, Cake POS. Find our special link for our Bartender Journey listeners at trycake.com slash bartender. You can get $750 off the activation fee. That's a 75% discount. Go to trycake.com slash bartender and request a demo or just take a look. All right, here's our toast, and it's by Francis M. Finch. Under the sod and dew, awaiting the judgment day, love and tears for the blue, tears and love for the gray. Cheers, we'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. (laughs) 